Hello and welcome to episode 240 of the Win and Six podcast. As you probably know, I'm your host Adam McGee. The reason for this note is we had some audio issues. Our usual recorder wasn't working at the time we had to record. We opted for something we hadn't used in a while and the result was uh, a little bit strange. So this is just to apologise for that, reassure you that myself and Jordan are both healthy and our voices have not changed significantly. Hope you're able to listen to the podcast still. Oscar Robertson, Leo Sindor, what a year that has been. The Bucks are the world champions. Moncrief going inside. Ray Allen driving past Armstrong. The jam over McGrady. Two seconds. Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton! Birthday, Jason Kidd, this place is up for grabs. Behind the back, Giannis shot in a Google. Oh, Chris, and in they rush. Holy moly. Dudley, up top, open, it's got a clean catch. Milwaukee wins it. Play basketball and win. And win? Yeah. How many games? Six. We're going to win in six. Hello and welcome to episode 240 of the Win 6 podcast. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and joining me as usual is my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Hello there, Jordan. Hello! Jordan, it's been a while. Um, we said that if Brandon Jennings came back, the podcast would be finished. And yet, shortly after we last recorded, they didn't bring Brandon Jennings back, and we took over three weeks off, and I didn't realize it had been that long. I thought it was like 10 days until we went to record today, so sorry everyone if we've kept you waiting, but I mean, that must be our longest break in a long time? I I don't know if we... might be the longest one since we started the podcast... But it wasn't even all that intentional. Hey, it's just, we're enjoying our summer. Jordan, what have you been doing since people last heard from you? I've been watching the movie Face Off 57 times. No, I'm joking. (laughs) I've been enjoying doing the same things. You got to branch out. You need a a sabbatical. This is the dead, the, the NBA has, it's, I know everybody throws out the term year round sport. And it practically is, but if we're being real, it's eleven months. August is a it's a wasteland. It, nothing really happens. Last year, the only thing that happened in August was the Kyrie Irving trade. We don't have anything like that unless if you want to count, you know, Dwayne Wade countdown to whatever the hell is happening there. <laughs> like it's a it's a wasteland. So it's an eleven month sport, and you know what? During that one month of Non-NBA action, you gotta watch Face Off 57 times. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. It is it is an 11-month sport. This is your first experience in your current capacity as an editor of going through, uh, going through a full off-season. As I'm sure you know by now, Jordan, August is the worst. August, oh, yeah. August is easily the most difficult part of it to come up with stuff. But so, I, I also like the challenge. I don't. I, like... I don't know if you really do as much as you might say, but hey, we're still going, and we're here to talk 
about the NBA. We're not here to talk about Face Off or other movies you may or may not have seen, Jordan. Phenomenon. We're here to talk about the books. <laughs> Appropriately, as we edge ever closer to September, as we we prepare for the start of yet another NBA season, we prepare for training camp and preseason and media day and all of that fun that really is just around the corner now. We're back at a place we were 12 months ago. We are getting ready for round two of training camp battle. We talked about this a lot last year, only for the books to make us all regret that very quickly. Um, this time, the 12, first time I won the last rush spot was wasn't there, there. right? And then I, <laughs> would you put that past this year's? situation i wouldn't but this time 12 months ago we had a an interesting cast of characters including gerald green brandon rush joel anthony uh gary payton too james young who am i forgetting kendall marshall kendall marshall and they did fun things like all sit together for about 30 seconds at the podium on media day and <laughs> be asked, be and asked one audio. very awkward question and the audio cut out and we didn't hear from them anyway. Yeah. Which was appropriate because, you know, maybe that was their way of telling us, these aren't the people. These aren't the people you need to be paying attention these to. These aren't the people you're looking for, Yoda. <laughs> so this year, having learned the lessons of that training camp battle, which ended up with none of those players staying on the team and DeAndre Liggins storming in just before the season. Or the season had started, had it? Anyway. Uh, I think it was the, the night before the opening game. This year, we have a similar situation on the surface. A little bit different. We don't have the obvious open roster spot there, although it is very, very easy to create. Its name is Tyler Zeller, and Tyler Zeller can just be dispensed of at any time between now and January, and if that's going to happen, it will most likely happen prior to the season. If that happens, it would seem like it would be to make way for one of the multiple players who are going to be heading to camp with the books on non-guaranteed contracts. Um, I'm trying to remember wh- which one of those, which ones of those we may have touched on before and may not have. We definitely talked about some of them in a summer league capacity, including Jordan Barnett, Brandon McCoy, Travis Trice. The real headliner makers, headline news here is Christian Wood, who, you know, the books were reported as not being one of the teams the mix for, while all those other teams seem to you know, withdraw from that discussion and Christian Wood will come to camp with the books after his summer John, league exploits. John Horse said, hold your horses. <laughs> and the other, most importantly of all, is Shabazz Muhammad. Hashtag Baz back. Um, he is back at least for the training camp. I'd say at least for some of preseason. And the question is, Jordan... I'm not going to go straight to the who will make it out of this, but is this real? Is this something we should pay attention to, get invested in, or is this deja vu? 
Um, I don't know. I mean, I think there's there's probably a good. <laughs> it might be more in the middle. I think last year we were just like, this is what we were so excited. Or excited uh, yeah, we were excited. We were rationally excited about like, oh, we have, there's an open roster spot. Who could fill that last last need for the Bucks on their roster? And you know, they just. As we just recap, they uh, all of our excitement just went down the drain and <laughs> just spectacular fashion. Um, I mean, you don't have to put that much energy into it. It's going to happen regardless. Let things unfold the way they unfold. But, uh, I mean, it's certainly interesting. I think last year it was more veteran-minded except for, you know, I guess James Young. I don't know if he would be classified as a veteran, but James Young the, and Gary Payton. Yeah, but you have the the kind of uh, uh, the intriguing uh, option like Wood, who you know obviously had a very spectacular summer league, but there's questions about how can he translate to that in the NBA, and especially under you know non extended role like he did in, uh, like he had in Las Vegas. Um, I don't know. I think it's just let it happen. <laughs> That's how I'm going to attack this upcoming training camp. Well, you've, you have no choice over that. You can't stop it from happening. Exactly. You know, even if you try. You can only Jordan, contain it. I don't know if you can contain it. Um, Baz is going to have some training camp fun regardless of what you try to do here. I think the the thing that's interesting is the open the spot isn't open like last year rather there's a perfectly serviceable veteran nba player filling that spot again yep. his name is tyler zeller and the problem is though there isn't really room for him and when i say there isn't room for him there isn't room for four centers and unlike john henson you can very easily move on from him we touched on this before i mean the optics of them just waving Tyler Zeller, if that ultimately happens, would be incredibly bad, considering you just gave up a second-round pick for him, didn't really use him as much as we would have expected, and then just said, ah, we don't even need him here, let's bring Shabazz Muhammad in. Um, that would look pretty bad. Yet, for the shape of the roster, for the sake of, I think, what they're going to look to get out of it, they may end up having to take that route. Um, my thing with this is, and I think it's the most interesting element of this, it seems fair to say, and we could be wrong, they could have great training camps, great preseason, and kind of surprise everyone in this, but it seems fair to say Travis Trice, Brandon McCoy, and Jordan Barnett are all coming to training camp because the books would like them to be playing in Oshkosh with the Wisconsin Herd next season. Mm -hmm. It's the other three guys beyond that were the other two, and his name is Tyler Zeller, that really make this interesting. And I don't see a way where Shabazz Muhammad doesn't end up with this final spot. And the reason I say that is, are they going to get rid of Tyler Zeller because they don't want that many bigs to bring in Christian Wood. I mean, maybe you could say, okay, that there's 
it's not even a maybe. There's more upside. It's possibly a shot at the future. He could become something much more significant. But are you going to have the minutes? Are you going to have the scope to give him that opportunity this season? I don't know. And when you look at the roster, I think... If you were to kind of balance it out, if you were to make a, any kind of adjustments around the fringes and say, let's get this to exactly where you'd want it to be going into the season, I think you'd get rid of a big man and bring in a forward. And that plays right in Shabazz Muhammad's hands here. Maybe there's someone else. There's another forward who DeAndre Ligon's style is going to come in at the last minute and kind of win the day. But for me... That's where the intrigue is. It's, I'll, I think Christian Wood may be the player who gets the most focus from fans because there's a lot of fans who seem very much um, tied to the idea of trying to get him based on what his play was like in Summer League. But does that make any sense? Is it really likely to happen? I don't think so, particularly with Bud as a coach. I think... If they're given the option of, okay, do you have another kind of somewhat versatile, not as versatile as the books tried to make him last year, forward like Shabazz Muhammad, or are you going to go with another big man? Like, as it stands, there's four players who could definitely play in the NBA next season on the books roster at center. And considering... Giannis could play some center, Ursan could play some center. I don't know how much any of that meshes with Bud's plans. Adding Christian Wood, we could understand some elements of it. We could see the, the bigger picture beyond, beyond what Tyler Zeller could certainly offer. But I still don't know if it feels like a move they're likely to make. Are they maybe just betting that Wood isn't going to find an NBA home and saying, okay, well, if he's back in the G League... We're happy to be the team with his rights. I would, I mean, I think that's why they signed him. I mean, the, it was over, what, a month after, or maybe less than that, when, you know, his summer league wrapped up. There was a lot of buzz, obviously, after the, after, you know, what he put up in Vegas, but that really, I think the only, um, other kind of link to him was the Raptors had like some kind of mini camp to bring in free agent big man. And he was a part of it before they ended up signing Moose. Um, so yeah, I think that's the silver lining. I, I that's so I honestly, I'm, I like Christian Wood. I, I think obviously, like you said, there's a lot of people that like Christian Wood and probably peg him to be the last rush spot. But I think it's far more likely that he goes up to, Tashkash. And two, I know there's some like speculation maybe he ends up taking one of the two ways. I don't think his he or probably his agent probably wants to take a two way deal considering just, you know, we talked about this in the past of how it's not really uh <laughs> it's it's not really in their favor because he can just make more money overseas and if if worse comes to worse. Um but yeah, I think it's a higher pro possibility that he ends up with the herd kind of full time um, in a couple of months. Do you not think he'd prefer two way to just being in the G League? I mean, I know financially, okay, it is beneficial, but it's not as beneficial as other things he could look to do. 
yet he does seem like a player who really wants and, to be fair, probably deserves another shot in the NBA to be on an NBA roster and try to grow from there. Because, like, with the way the, with the, way the group is kind of rounded out at the moment... I think there is a kind of interesting dynamic where you could say it would make more sense if Jalen Morris was actually on the books roster and Christian Wood was on a two-way. You know, in terms of dividing things up, if you were going to move on from Zeller and you had an open roster spot, maybe tying down that young wing who was in the NBA with the Hawks last year and just having an extra wing. Again, extra wing. Wings and forwards are really the... The positions where it feels like you can't have too many of, and the books roster yep. is certainly trending towards that. That to me would make more sense than if you know any other combination of this. I I'd, I'd be surprised like I, you don't sign Duval to a two way and then not keep him around. That's a that's a play with the with the long term in mind, and we vote very much like that as he did with Morris but I think just in terms of the mix of the roster and that's that's really what they're trying to figure out here is just they're at a point where things look pretty good um like you can put a 12 a 12 man roster they're not going to do this but you could pick out 12 like capable proven NBA players this is excluding Zeller and what may or may not happen with him and excluding DJ Wilson and any potential improvement, excluding Dante as a rookie and the wild card that rookies generally are. Like, the other 12 guys that are on the books roster are really, really solid, and you can build really nice rotations night, night to night, and you'd have good players likely not getting on the floor. That isn't the problem here. So the question with this final roster spot is just, how do we give ourselves the most options? How do we cover ourselves off best if we're going to have injury crises throughout the season? And all that to me just trends away from traditional big men. And I think the fact that two of the most notable names in this mix fall into that category is really, really interesting, but also puzzling. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean... I don't know. I, I, I just think <laughs> I, I, I'm so scared of <laughs> based on what happened last, last off season or last training camp more specifically. I just, I'm not, I, I, I need to learn my lesson. <laughs> we can't put two. It's, it's obviously it's the final, the 15 man roster, all that stuff. We have to, we're going to cover it regardless, but you know, I don't know. I just <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put too fine a point on it. I wouldn't really kind of zero in and say this is it because what I'm getting at here is I think the situation maybe sets up this year for it to be even more likely that if someone else they kind of liked became available just toward the season that they'd be like, okay, yeah. this is our guy because the mix of players just doesn't seem right for what they should likely and probably are hoping to get out of these final roster spots. I think there's there's a very strong element of let's play clever with this in terms of the herd. I just don't know beyond that. I like I wonder how much Christian Wood really is a contender for this. Or is it at the moment, you know, of the players they have on board, 
Shabazz Muhammad looking to push Zeller and see if he could convince them that that's the move worth making for it. Otherwise, maybe they're looking for someone else. Otherwise, maybe they keep Zeller around for a while because they could do that, wave him at any time and pick up a free agent further down the line. And barring injuries, as I mentioned, the strength of their their roster, the number of guys who could be capable of rotation players this year, kind of allows them that freedom. You know, they they may just opt through kind of, what is it, the 12th or 13th of January when Zeller guarantees it's something like that? I believe that. it's the 10th. Well, they may opt to go into the new year with Zeller on the roster, and then you can wave him down, and then you're... You have an open That's roster around spot right around days. exactly around the time yeah. ten days start to happen. Maybe that's the play here. So I don't know. There is there is real kind of there's plenty of plausible scenarios where this ends up being important and the players currently in the mix end up being important. And then there's also where the books kind of just punt on this for now and they're bringing guys in, giving them a chance, mostly with the hope of getting them to play for the herd in the G League next season. But who knows beyond that? Gun to your head, Jordan. Because this is serious stuff. We're friends. Who is going to have the 15th roster spot on opening night? Baz. Yeah, I agree. And I know that's how unpopular that remains with a lot of books fans. I mean, I understand why your perception is that. But you might want to do some reading or do some watching or do some studying because, like, the guy earned another chance to prove he can be on this team. And I'm not saying that has to be, you know, get him a real contract and have him on the roster next season. He certainly earned a shot to get to camp. He played unbelievably well his numbers are completely insane over a relatively small sample with the books to finish last season and considering everything else that's out there they might say yeah okay let's try this let's let's see what there is here and with that in mind i i think there shouldn't be as much kind of despair as there was but i mean this is you know this is books twitter 101 there's always despair um, when the news that the books were bringing Shabazz back on the training camp contract, I mean, yeah, good. They should. If you bring a guy in and he plays like he did think, to finish last season, I don't think it was that. I think it was more. The reporting the, was a little unclear at the time, too. But if you may, if you look at all the additions that they made, it was going to be training camp deal. Like they had already. Even after the Jennings release, they still had what? They still had made the Barnett, Trice, McCoy deals official, and obviously Zeller's non guarantee is a part of that roster and stuff like that. But it was just, I, I initially like, I was like, hmm, that's kind of interesting. And then I was like, oh yeah, it's gonna be a non guarantee deal, and of course that was the case as Matt Blesk has tweeted out. I mean, that's prudent anyway. Why give someone guaranteed money when you don't have to? Like, the books had the leverage on that. But the place I come from with it is, let's just say Shabazz Muhammad has figured something out and turned a corner. And 
in the bigger picture, it turns out that we can all point to his time with the books where the first evidence of this surfaced. Let's just say Shabazz Muhammad ends up with the Houston Rockets this year as a key contributor for them deep into the playoffs. And then everyone would point back and be like, oh, but the books had Shabazz Muhammad and they didn't sign him. So maybe there's an element of lessons learned here, but he did show something. He showed something that is almost guaranteed to be unsustainable in his time with the books last year. But them actually, you know, having a double check on that. Saying, okay, let's give him another chance and let's see if this thing sticks. That makes sense. That's pretty smart. Because you don't want to just say uh, thanks but no thanks to a guy who played pretty well. Did what you needed him to do. He may not be anyone's favorite player. He may not be, except me, of course. He may not be uh, the embodiment of what a modern NBA player is. He was really effective, and he was really efficient at the time with the books. That may all be kind of, you know, jarring, considering who he is, considering what his reputation was. But it's it's the facts, Go rewatch his games. Go take a look at his numbers. All very impressive, deserving of another chance. Whether it amounts to anything or not remains to be seen. Let's kind of do a quick roundup through other recent books news since we were last last speaking to everyone since our last state of the state of address, Jordan, because um, <laughs> some things have happened. I mentioned Brandon Jennings earlier. He was the Spectre hanging over the whole thing last time we recorded. He's going to be playing for Zenit St. Petersburg in Russia next year. Which, I don't know, we haven't actually spoken about this, but I thought that was a big, big win for him based on how he played. I'm not sure if he actually has that kind of level of playing Euro Cup, playing one of the better leagues in Europe generally still in him. But considering where he was a year ago, to have kind of leveraged his brief spell with the Bucks and his time with the G League into another shot with a major European club, like, this keeps his NBA dreams alive if that's the way he wants to go. Because if he did have a really good season, you could bet your life he'd be back in the NBA a year from now. Yeah, or not even... Oh, um, I... Mm, it's not quite the quick out yeah. necessarily. Maybe he may have an option in his deal for that, but I but guess yeah, he's the, likely to see the season through with them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if he got it through China and played with the herd last year, and we've covered this well, he did, <laughs> if you look at those numbers, he certainly filled it up. Uh, but, you know, they weren't really efficient by any means. Um, yeah, uh, more importantly, it just he's. It's good to see him land on his feet somewhere because it just look he. He's only it's it's crazy to think he's only twenty eight years old, and mm-hmm. I'm not again. I'm not saying I'm a big fan of his game personally. We all know. <laughs> we all know what uh, what that in you know. We all know entails. that you're not Jordan. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I I, I wish him luck. Yeah, we all wish him luck. Here at the Win and Six podcast, we wish him luck. And I relieve that, you know, a lot of the conversation surrounding him can just be 
nostalgic. Not too nostalgic. We, we've already seen what happens if we get too nostalgic about Brendan Jennings. But let's just be a little nostalgic. We keep our nostalgia at an arm's length. Right. Let's just go, oh, look, he, he nearly had a triple-double in Russia this time. And we don't have to worry about what the follow-up game to that will look like. The other big piece of books news, I mean, maybe in the scale of what books news is at this time of year, this could be the biggest piece of books news in terms of how we all watch the books, how it will affect us throughout the course of the season, has been some pretty significant changes to the Fox Sports Wisconsin broadcast team. Not returning for next season, we have Gus Johnson. John McLaughlin and Telly Hughes. Telly Hughes will be replaced by Katie George as a sideline digital reporter. Other than that, I should say not returning. Johnny Mac is returning, but not. It seems to be he's returning in a new role. It's you know? unclear. Maybe an ambassadorial role. You know? Or the role of Steve Max. They've. <laughs> <laughs> Honorary headphones, my shirt. Ooh. But what this leaves us with is a slightly different feel and maybe a more focused feel to the broadcast team than we've seen for a couple of years. Um, the end of the Gus Johnson experiment, I guess we'll call it, was greeted in a lot of very strong ways by a lot of people. I dipped my toes into those waters. A day later, thinking they would have calmed down, and I—I'm not sure if I was right on that. Just um, brings the feelings. I, <laughs> I waited a day, and I said, "I'm not gonna—I'm not doing a whole lot of tweeting right now because I'm trying to enjoy the summer." And I dipped my toe in and went, "Yeah, no, people still feel as passionately a day later." What's your overall feeling about the changes? About what's gonna be a little bit of a different look to the broadcast obviously the centerpiece of it I mean what we do know from this is Jim Paschke Marks Johnson is going to be the main focus and that is all very familiar but overall with the direction that the books on Fox Sports Wisconsin seem to have opted for for next season what's your reaction um I've, I'm looking forward to it I don't know I'm not I don't know I, I think it's again you gotta let these things these things happen. They happen and we'll see how it unfolds. But um yeah, I I, I really don't have much to say. <laughs> I don't feel all that strongly about it one way or the other. Um I guess it's good to have new perspective, uh get a little a new kind of infusion. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think there's stuff to talk about here. It's not as much of a nothingness as you want to make it out to be. I mean, everything's let, nothing. <laughs> let's start with Let's start with Gus. Will you miss Gus? What What part of the books camp are you in on this? Because obviously, there's a lot of people who reacted very strongly anytime he called the game. Or maybe this is better, but as any time he called a game, the Bucks didn't win. I think everyone was perfectly yeah. happy to have Gus Johnson over great moments like, say, Giannis Buzzerbeater in Madison Square Garden, 
But if the Bucks lost, it was then, oh, why is he so excited about the other team? Or, you know, as, as it was put to me, which is maybe maybe a better way of looking at it. Um, I don't necessarily agree with it, but it was put to me on Twitter that it had the feeling when he arrived of this is a guy who doesn't know anything. Everything felt very general rather than the specifics we may get on other nights. I don't know I if don't that know. was my that experience. Dwight Howard, that Dwight Howard tidbit <laughs> after the trade deadline in 2016 felt very specific to me. He wanted to come. I will not rehash that impression. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I again, I'm, I'm the balance beam. I fall <laughs> right firmly on the fence. There were problems. I There was a, def, a distinct feeling that, you know, he definitely didn't have the kind of day-to-day knowledge or uh did you feel that really i mean there'd be some like comments that would kind of did it sit right i was like god that's that's not really true but again you know a lot of actually relied or kind of revolved around jabari like especially i mean obviously it's very easy to go like with all his injuries and stuff like that but now they're both gone so you know (laughs) that's Strange how that happened. But anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. But the, I, I mean, I think the last of the last three years, he definitely has probably the more, uh, I guess, iconic or more uh, lasting Bucks calls. I mean, if the buzzer beaters won. I mean, I thought I, I will say this. I liked him when he would broadcast games of the playoffs and kind of give it a little extra juice to it especially the Raptors series I thought he did that's where it kind of I felt like personally and this is by my weird bizarre <laughs> weird set of standards for broadcasting which is not uh everybody's cup of tea but <laughs> that's where it kind of it felt like it was more fleshed out in playoff settings where it kind of lived in the moment um I don't know I I yeah it was, I, I think the relief is just not having that conversation anymore because right. it was I just do like, agree with that. I mean, uh, for me, I think, and I have have discussed this a little uh, with multiple people on Twitter, I think it was a really interesting experiment because it showed the books trying to capture the best of both worlds, which is a local broadcast that also had the, I don't know, the importance some of the reverence of, you know, this is this is also really important. This has a national feel to it too. And that to me is really what I would say the direction of the NBA should be in that your play-by-play guy can be a little bit more, well, this is the game, but you have a color commentator who's really strongly kind of rooted in the home team who can really provide the level of detail and analysis you want around that team. You have reporters that can kind of weigh in with that too. And that you can make an experience that's a little bit more enjoyable all around. I mean, a game goes the way a game goes. A commentator doesn't have any experience or any influence, I should say, on that. So, you know, it doesn't really matter if it's a book's call he's getting excited about if it's anyone else's. You're just choosing to get angry at someone, and it's a really kind of strange and immature process in my mind. I think the whole thing is just ridiculous. Anyone who got upset about Gus Johnson getting excited about another team 
probably need to reassess some things in your life. But hey, that's my opinion, not Jordan's. Jordan <laughs> is the balance beam. But with that, I, I think... Look, Paschke and Marcus Johnson are a great duo. Um, they're a pleasure to listen to. Over the course of an 82-game season of playoffs, I think we will miss the idea of there being a little bit of freshness in there. Um, Johnny Mack is interesting on that same note. I mean, just because he he created more combinations, I think we got a lot of fun out of Johnny Mack's quotes and some of the noises he makes and things like that in recent years. It's not a secret that analysis is not maybe maybe not his forte of late. Like, we're talking about, with Gus Johnson, the feeling of someone maybe not having their finger on the pulse of the team. Johnny Mack, to me, was a much more obvious case of that at times. So it'll be interesting to see what his new role is. But with all of that, I do think there is a little bit of just uh, dynamism that was in the books broadcast over the last couple of years that is now gone. And I wonder if, as the year goes on, people will be left yearning for that a little bit, even though... As I said, the Legio are great. The other part, the very much under-discussed element of this, almost buried beneath the surface. Some would say, you know, hidden in plain sight all the way in Libertyville, Illinois. <laughs> is Steve Novak. Um, <laughs> I don't think Marcus Johnson is going to do 82 games. I, to be honest, I don't, I don't think Bashki... Well, I suppose they have more national games this year, too. There's 18 national games we should talk That's about. That's true. So we don't know what the crossover is going to be in terms of how many of those are picked up locally as well. But maybe that plays a factor. Maybe they don't need as many commentators as they used to need. You're going to hear a lot more Steve Novak, though, in a color commentary role and... I don't want to come across considering the things I had to say when Steve Novak, the player, was in these kind of training camp situations. Uh, I don't want to come across as someone with an agenda against Steve Novak. He seems like a lovely man, Jordan. Uh, he's insightful, I guess. His colour commentary was a little underwhelming to me last year. A little... Bland, we'll say. That was with both the books. I think he had a couple of games with the books near the end of the season. And he certainly had a number of games with the herd. I'm not so sure on that. And that would certainly be a factor for me if through all of this we find ourselves listening to like 20 games a year of Steve Novak and color commentary. Maybe he'll make big improvements. Maybe I need to give him the benefit of the doubt and some more time, but. Yeah, that's one of my takeaways from this is that's not the most thrilling prospect. But hey, Steve Novak, man of the people, local hero, maybe he'll uh, maybe he'll prove me wrong. Any thoughts on Steve Novak, Jordan? <laughs> you know, people got to cut, cut their teeth, get the grind, get those 10,000 hours, Malcolm Gladwell style. 10,000 hours. Imagine if you had to listen to 10,000 hours. Of... <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know. you. Maybe it'll be better. It was his first year. I know. I, I, that. That's not an easy thing to do. It just... No. Plus two, you have to remember, you have to factor in 
I think he was he was initially going to be like more of the the studio um, pre-game, post-game analyst, and then Ben Baker got hired by the Fox as a coach readily, which he is obviously continuing. And I will give look, look. I will to be serious with this. I will give him a lot of credit because he was a jack of all trades for Fox Sports Wisconsin last year. He yeah. did some. Um, he did some sideline reporting even on occasion. He did color commentary in both the G League and the NBA. I mean, all of that is quite impressive, and he's certainly invested in diving in. I am remembering correctly when there was a recent. I think it was at the MBPA who held it, but remember there was for former players kind of a a course or a kind of a seminar of a few days long. About, it was last summer. Yeah, I feel like it was about becoming a broadcaster, entering the world of TV. He was one of like twelve or fourteen players who were in attendance for that. So I give him a lot of credit for being committed to it. The books very clearly want him involved in the TV package. It'll be interesting to see just how exactly that falls into place. And then again, I mean, what is Johnny Mac's role gonna be? It's going to be studio, most likely. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. You ready for the mailbag, Jordan? I am. Okay, let's let's move on to the mailbag. It's been a while, so there are plenty of questions. The first one from Adorkadi Jr. Who has the bigger impact next season, Dante or DJ? I think, uh, with the Bucks or the, with the Herd? I'm oh, guessing, it's, guessing it's with the Bucks. Even though I don't know if that second part make would make it any easier. <laughs> I think I this think is a it, difficult question to answer. Um, I would go with Dante. I mean, is it Dante by default, though? Like... Dante default DiVincenzo, yeah. I don't know. I I'm not sure. I mean, the a part of this will also depend. I mean, if they go into the season with uh, four centers and Giannis and Ursan at the four, well, I mean, DJ's not gonna play at all, at yeah. all. So any chance of him getting minutes at the books would be gone. I mean, based on that, yeah, it's probably Dante. Dante's positional fit mm, just gives him more flexibility to fit into different lineups and that will probably give him an edge although i'm not overly optimistic i'm not sure either will make an impact and although that is very yeah. bad for the books in the big picture because that's your two most recent first round picks um as i touched on earlier they should have 12 to 13 players who are very capable like, unlike last year, I think last year the books needed Dante, or needed DJ, to give them something. They may not have trusted him to even try and do that, but they, they really could have used that extra bit of help. This year, the way the roster's constructed, I think they could probably get away with not getting much from either of those. It's just, in the long run, that is not great. You could use something from them in the bigger picture. From Atlantan Ainge. Bigger impact coaching change or Brooke Lopez edition? For me, this is undoubtedly the coaching change. Yep. 
in saying that, that is something that, you know, the two things should complement each other nicely. Uh, Brook Lopez was the right kind of center, had the right kind of mix of skills to come in to be the big man for this coaching staff and for what a new look books team could be. I mean, if somehow, I don't know if it would be great if the answer to this question in time proved to be Brook Lopez or if it would be really, really bad because I just think the books really need this coaching change to provide a major impetus and one that I really do expect it will do. Well, you're also, I mean, let's go simple logic or math here. Brook Lopez is a was a necessary addition uh, from the front court, but having got Coach Bud in the fold, um, that just <laughs> it gives you more opportunities for other guys, uh, more than just one person, <laughs> to make a bigger <laughs> impact on the Bucks. I mean, Brooke Lopez can be involved with that, but you know, there's other candidates that can uh, fall suit with having a guy like Coach Bud on board. For Alex underscore Koenig 023, hopefully super unlikely scenario. But Giannis gets undercut on a dunk and you need to send a contender to fight for him. Do you choose one deli-sized duck or 100 duck-sized delis? One deli-sized duck? Or 100 duck-sized delis. I... I don't think there's that much of a difference in height between Delhi and a duck. So I'm going to take the 100 duck sized Delis also. 100 Delis, I mean, no matter the stature, they could do a lot of damage. Yeah, the grit is off the charts. Think of all the rolling, rolling into knees and things like that. That could, you know. I mean, I, I have to, I, I can't go with one. I have to follow my, my last answer to the last question applies to this one. You gotta strengthen numbers, as the Golden State Warriors say. Interesting Delhi element coming into this season is is Bud coaching Delhi because you know I doubt he's been Delhi's favorite or Bud's favorite player over the years because you know possibly the biggest turning point of Bud's head coaching career pivoted on Delhi rolling into Al Horford's knee and Al Horford fighting back or Delhi rolling into Kyle Culver's knee Delhi caused a lot of problems in that series and what is now looked back on the history books as oh another Cavs sweep of the Hawks was at the time a lot closer and could have been in the bigger picture if not for some solid work from Delhi so I think it's an interesting subplot um, from at Alex underscore Koenig 023 again, who would you rather have take up a spot as the book's 15th man? J-O-B or Juice? It's Johnny O'Brien for me, and the positional element doesn't work that well, but I think he is still a good, active, professional basketball player. Where did he sign? Was it Maccabi Tel Aviv. Big club in Europe. Like, or as I like to call it, Maccabi J-O-B. Big club in Europe. He's shown some good stuff in recent years in the G League. He had some good moments in the NBA. And then you've got the guy who's 
just served his suspension for a violation of the anti-drug program. Had a very underwhelming and brief stay with a club in Puerto Rico. I'm going to go with Mr. O'Brien on this one. The books may go in a very different direction, though. If we're looking for the, you know, surprise of who comes in for the 15 roster spot. <laughs> Elephant in the room. Yeah. J-O-B. Chicken I'll soup on the staircase. Um, from uh, F. Lawrenston. What would you say is the over-under for Jabari Parker's 2018-19 performance in which you'd admit the Bucks made a mistake in not re-signing him? Over-under 19.55 and 3 and below average defense. I really thought we were going to be done with Jabari stuff. This this question did catch we're me never... off guard when I saw Quinn, but we're going to have this forever. Every mailbag, there'll probably be one question. Um, I, I mean, if Jabari put up 27 and 5, I don't know if that convinces me that the Bucks made the wrong decision because it was about a lot more than just what Jabari can do individually. It was about, you know, situation, fit... Also, everything that had already passed under the bridge between him and the books, like, we talked about this before, I think there's a good chance, I won't say a great chance, because of the situation he has actually landed in, but there's always the possibility that he goes on and actually does have, if not a good career, at least some really good seasons elsewhere that won't necessarily mean they were possible for him in Milwaukee when he's at best a third banana at best and may not have bought in as easy. I think there's things that you could ask him to do the same things in a new team and there's a much better chance of them happening than there would have been if he stayed in Milwaukee because of just where his relationships were and getting rid of Kid and Prunty and Sweeney that didn't necessarily change that because he still had the same teammates around him. He still had the same feeling of where he should be, who he should be within the group. So for me, I'm not going to very easily think the books made a mistake in resigning him. I, I honestly don't know if I ever will. He could have a really good career from here. I think it have reached a point between him and the books where that just wasn't going to happen for them to get her in Milwaukee anymore. Yeah, I agree. Uh, as we talked about with Miles Plumley back in the day, may the bridges that he burned light the way, and he's certainly going to look for that in Chicago. How'd that work out for Miles Plumley? I believe he's on his second team <laughs> since I this deal. Yeah. From at MKE Robert, why is summer so long? Is it is it really long? I don't think so. I think it's could be longer. Time. Could be longer. Um, uh, I'm enjoying watching movies. Watching a lot of movies. I just finished The Americans, a show that I'd always just kind of missed and needed to get through. People should watch The Americans. I don't think it's too long, Jordan. If you've been dipping your toe in anything that makes the long summer worthwhile. I've revisited Twin Peaks and doing that. That's good. I don't know. 
Um, what was another show I watched? You seen any I movies just... recently? See the movies? Uh, well, Face Off, of course. It's seven times. Mission Impossible. Fallout. Uh, Rob Thorne. <laughs> um, Do you want to explain? Uh, yeah, that really a? It's not it's, a spoiler. I don't. You can explain it. I think you should because otherwise people will have no idea what you're saying there. So, okay, it comes at a critical... Uh, I will say, okay, first of all, uh, maybe it is a spoiler. It's not really, though. It might be. It depends on what it people lead, view There's spoiler, spoiler elements that lead to it. Yeah, actually, yeah, it is probably a spoiler. I didn't notice this, first of all. I saw this... I don't know, I see it just before or just after, but Jordan said, did you notice the thing? And I was like, no, I was busy, like, watching the movie to be thinking about books-related things. <laughs> but the way I we'll can't escape it, it. There's a character... The three. There's a character introduced late in the film whose name is Rob. Not Rod, Rob Thorne. Although, yeah. I mean, for all we know, Rod Thorne should have the time to go and be in a Mission Impossible movie. Possibly. But I'll be interested if anyone else who's seen Mission Impossible Fallout picked up on that or if you were just busy watching the movie like I was. Is it just Jordan who heard that and straight away his thoughts went to Rod Torn? Let us know. Um, I almost spit out my slushy, my icy. Do, <laughs> do they have icy across, across the pond? I see with two E's. Slushies. Is I see a brand? It's a brand. It's ba- it's a slushie, but it's a. I would say it's probably I, the most famous I, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know if they really have them here anymore. I know when I was a child, they did. They were quite popular. The brand name, I hope you're ready for this, was Slush Puppy. Slush Puppy? Yeah. Oh. I think I might start. Uh, never <laughs> From an MK Robert. Call it Slush Fun. There we go. Who are you pulling for in the apparent three man race for the final roster spot? Um, we kind of answered who we think will get there. Who are we pulling for? Uh, Baz is the same answer for me. <laughs> you got to keep up the Baz brand. Um, I don't. I'm not really pulling for anybody. Again, I've got to learn my lesson from last year. Like, I was all, I can't remember who, it might have been, I think by default it was Gerald Green. I was like, oh, he's got NBA qualities more than probably the other. I think I was Brandon Rush. I think that was the that was the guy I ended up in on. And he didn't play well either, but I still thought he makes the most sense. He can, at least he's got a track record of shooting, was my. You're a big time Rush fan. I'm not, I'm not a Rush fan at all. Anyway, from an MKE Robert, if Adam were to visit the US, where would attending a books game rank on his to-do list? How many games does Jordan intend on attending in the new arena this season? Um, I would think it would rank pretty high. I've been to the US before. been to New York, Chicago, Orlando been some places i i have no desire to visit right now outside of 
probably going for a Bucks game and possibly going to Milwaukee. It's not going to happen anytime soon, though. Um, so <laughs> it's not exactly a pressing concern. But yeah, it would rank pretty highly. It may be the reason I would go right now. There's nothing else drawing me. Um, and there certainly isn't the, you know, the ability for me to make just a decision of, hey, let's go to the US and just do some fun things. But it would rank pretty highly, I'd guess. Jordan, how many games do you intend on attending the new arena? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. You normally I, get I a few. I think you normally get close to... Close to five or six at least, don't you? Probably around there. I think last year was... Four... And that was including two playoff games, which I've never been to playoff games before. And they won every one of those. So, everybody, you are welcome. <laughs> I'd imagine you're going to try and get to the new arena sooner than later. The curiosity will get the better of you. Yeah. I mean, they have the, the block party. Are you going to the block party? You're off tonight. I don't know. I don't know yet. We won't share with people in case they look out for you. That's very clever, Jordan. I see how you just hedged <laughs> on that one there. You can tell me off air if you're going to the block party or not. <laughs> From at the real MJR22, is the books run office and ownership group going to take the steps necessary to make the books a contender? I mean, what are the steps? If you know the steps, I'm sure they'd be all ears. I think they kind of are doing what they can. Um... I think the steps would involve not making a mess of their draft picks, and they're definitely not doing that intentionally, although they may be doing that year after year after year. Luxury tax questions will certainly come into that. I think they'll do it, but they'll need to really feel like it's something worthwhile doing that for. Not just, oh, we're going to fall over this mark to, you know, add a solid 15th man. I don't know. I, I think the answer is yes. Like, why do you get involved in all of the other stuff? Why do you spend so much money across so many different areas of the organization after spending the money to actually buy the franchise? Why do you invest all of that if you're then not going to push to be a contender? Because look, at the end of the day, being a contender increases exposure. It builds up the value of the brand. I don't feel like these are all just business decisions for the ownership. Um, even if they were, though, it's in the best interest of business to be a good team and to be a really good team. So this season should be interesting in the regard of 18 uh, nationally televised games. And that's to begin with. There could be some more added to that down the line. I mean, the first game on ABC since... First regular season game since the 70s, I heard? Jordan, yep. how is that? Like, what is with that? That's just ridiculous. The books were really good throughout the 80s. Yeah. Uh, look, that's the superstar effect. I mean, if that's that's as big a kind of feather in Yana's cap as anything, that the books are on ABC, because clearly, if you don't have the superstar, you're not getting there. Um, that All of that stuff will be interesting this year. And just Yana's continued descendants, how the team improves... But if things continue to go on the rise, I don't see the ownership group or the front office getting any less hungry. So, 
yeah, I think they will, but the question is how? And there isn't an answer to that. There's no magic solution. So this is the challenge when it's... When There's it's, no magic eight ball. No, when it's us discussing it, when it's fans kind of speculating about it, there isn't just, oh, well, they, why aren't they making the team a contender? Well, they're trying. They may not be doing all that well in it. They may be doing well in it. That's going to depend on your opinion. But there isn't just a quick fix, hey, now you're a contender. I mean, the closest thing there is to that is getting a player as good as Giannis, and they've done that. So I guess stage one is complete, dating back to the previous regime. We'll see from here. From yeah. that, go on. Well, I was I was just gonna say the hardest part is done. It's about, and some would make the argument that you need a kind of, uh, Robin to Giannis's Batman, if you will. But I mean, Chris Middleton fills those shoes very well. And I, 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 I have to admit, I'm kind of having an, another about face about Eric Bledsoe. The, as the season gets closer. What, what side uh, are you even on now? I can't keep up. I'm Two-Face. I'm Harvey Dent. Are you saying once... you're... Are you in or were you back in and now you're out again? I I was I was in. I was obviously in. I, again, scroll the letter right across my chest and torso. Uh, <laughs> then the playoffs happen. Now I'm inching closer to... I see the wagon. I'm like, oh, oh maybe I'll hitch my... I'll sketch with my skateboard. That's what they call it when you sketch, right? I don't know. Neither do I, Jordan. Neither do I. So, just are you? You're saying you're in? I'm tentatively in. I think he's going to be fine. Relatively fine. I'm in on his defense. On what his defense could be in this game. Otherwise, I don't know. I'm not sure how the rest of that will work out. But yeah. I mean, in on his defense, you just, you did like the whole Al Pacino and Godfather tree just when I thought it was out thing there. Um, yeah. From at Eva Jealous, any news about the Bucks' new coaching staff, workouts with the team so far, any updates about any specific drills, potential improvement projects, anything specific about team practice? Has the team started working out any new schemes? Um, the answer to this would normally be no. The team is not together. They're never together. But there was some footage that emerged on Twitter on Monday, Monday evening um, of I don't I don't know exactly where they were. Probably in L.A. somewhere. L.A. Is I think it was New York. Was it New York? Okay, that's also a hot spot for these kind of meetups. But it looked like pretty much the entire books roster. I. I, it's kind of in the brief flashes of that it seemed to most players Bud was there um, I was able to spot some other kind of key performance staff members on the sideline so normally teams would not be doing anything at this point but it looks like the books may be starting to dip their toe in it you won't get anything we won't debate which toe that was We uh, you won't get anything concrete until closer to training camp and training camp opening itself because that is really when you really kind of bet in and do that it's probably a good idea that they are having some kind of meetings now because that may just cut out some of the 
the more basic and introductory elements that would be required otherwise of a new coach and a new staff on day one of training camp. So maybe they can expedite that process a little bit. No, though, is the answer. And I mean, even <laughs> even when training camp gets underway, there's no no real reason to believe that we'll have a lot of those details anyway. That will be kind of your first 10 games of the season, monitoring and trying to pick out trends and see what holds up and figure out what exactly they are doing, what are their their key goals. We'll obviously get very stated, very much obvious and stated goals from Bud and some of the players on media day and as the season draws nearer, but whether they're you know real or just empty coach speak, something we've got some experience with, Remains to be seen. We don't know what exactly they'll look to do and how direct they'll be about it. So that's going to be a case of wait and see. From at real underscore MR Hagedorn, would it be disappointing if Horse does not make an additional move before the season begins? Not sure if it would be or not. They can't. (laughs) Well, they can. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it was a trade or something like that, but they can't bring in another free agent to well, the they, roster. They can. They can waive Zeller. <clears throat> I mean, they haven't got anything to give them, but at a minimum. I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't say it's disappointing because the roster is good. There, there should be, get everyone healthy, get everyone producing. And the books have a rotation that, I don't know when the last time the books had a rotation this good is. They'd have a rotation that is a lot, lot better than what they had in 2001. Well, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, top end, and I actually think at the bottom end, too, of what you could build an actual rotation. So if you think of, okay, we've got Giannis, Middleton, Bledsoe, Brogdon, Brook Lopez, Tony Snell... Sterling Brown, Pat Connaughton, Urson, John Henson, Ton Maker, and Delhi. That's 12 players. They're unlikely to go 12 deep, even though Bud does like to run things pretty extended in terms of rotations. If you want to make a 10-man rotation out of that, that's still going pretty deep. That's a lot better than they've had in a long time. Mm -hmm. Like, just in terms of a baseline of production in terms of solidity, obviously how they stagger that, what combinations they work out, all of that stuff is really key and would, you know, it remains to be seen how that plays out, but that is really, really solid. And then you say really, really solid and the, the top end, you still have Giannis with Middleton and Bledsoe behind them. Like, they don't need to. If they can... If they can make another move between now and the start of the season that makes them better, great. I think if they were to make a move, it could be a move that doesn't necessarily make them better this year, but just fits more in line with what they want for the long term. Whether that's trading Bledsoe because you don't want to resign him, getting off Henson or Delhi. I think getting off Delhi would certainly probably be a win now and down the line, based on his recent production anyway. But, yeah, we'll see. I, it's not necessarily the most pressing move. I think if a deal comes up that's good, they should make it. Otherwise, it's okay to be content with what you've got heading into the season. Yeah, I mean, 
I personally find it hard to be disappointed in this offseason because it was really good. I mean, considering I'm not saying it was the best offseason of any team uh, in the league, but you got a really good coach. You got some sneaky, useful additions. Uh, there are problems I have with, you know, Dante was not my, my personal pick, and obviously not yours as we, you know, Hashed over after the draft, but uh, on the whole, there's a lot to like there, um, and a lot of it was constricted. And obviously, the Jabari departure is going to be for some. It's going to really not sit well for them, especially depending on how he fits. But I mean, that's a whole other animal that that we talked about endlessly at this point. So yeah, I I just I don't I really can't be all that uh, uh, dissatisfied with this offseason considering I thought it was a bit of a win for them. From our Cowboy of Space, predict what will be the biggest improvement of the team this year and what will be the biggest disappointment? I think defense is going to be the biggest improvement. Well, there's like nowhere to go but up. <laughs> but I think they could be a really, really, really good defense, and that could just be so, so bizarre for all of us to imagine. But I think it's you know, it just wouldn't take a lot, and it will only increase the frustration in hindsight about what the Jason Kidd era was. But I, I think everyone knows, and the players feel confident. Bud himself has voiced this that you know. They are not far from something really special defensively. They just need to make some very simple and sensible changes. We maybe saw some elements of it in spates last season, although Jason Kidd denied it <laughs> completely when it was put to him. No, we're doing exactly what we've always thought. Um, biggest disappointment. I don't know. I don't know. If people are expecting something from Dante, I guess that's what I would say, but that is very much in line with my opinions of Dante and that pick, so maybe that's not fair. Maybe if people are expecting major improvements in terms of shooting, they've added more capable floor spaces. They haven't added dead-eye guys. I don't think the three-point shooting numbers will soar all that much in terms of percentage, but it's the gravity of the guys they've added and the attempts that could make a major difference. It just depends on how people are going to measure that. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure what the biggest disappointment is. I guess it's not part of it. If you knew what the biggest disappointment was likely to be, yeah, then you wouldn't be disappointed when it happened. You'd be like, oh yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah, you would have low expectations, so you weren't that disappointed. Which, I mean, Bucks fans should be relatively <laughs> used to having. Um, I will say, though, I think three-point shooting could be among the surprises. I'm not saying it's going to be, you know, elite or top-tier quality. But, I mean, Urson, Brooke, Middleton, Brogdon Snell... 
Sterling could make some more. Sterling, Pat Connaughton, Planet Pat, baby. I'm all aboard on Planet Pat. He could be a good shooter. There's a lot to like there. There's a lot to like in. Uh, and Bledsoe was a good off-ball sh- or a catch-and-shoot shooter. Possibly Delhi. I don't know. There's there's more shooting there that could be spread. It's more spread out across the roster than uh, probably. I don't know. Probably since the first kid year when you guys when he had guys like Ursan Dudley, Brandon Knight. Probably missing a bunch of other people. Brandon Knight. I mean, always brings the tone down when anyone brings. He was a shooter. I'm just saying. From at Swag Z Wildfire, will we get one more trade before training camp? I think it's unlikely. I, uh, th- that might be a good question for the NBA at large because trades really have been on the slow side this year. Um, Jerry and Grant, Timothy Mozgov, and uh, I can't even remember <laughs> the, who the other person was. <laughs> they beg to differ. I think if there's one more trade, it's back. That's what it was. I think it would be Tyler Zeller traded for, like, a top 55 protected pick. Just to make some effort of, hey, we tried to get as much back as we could, rather than just waving him. Um, I think that's the most likely trade, if there is one. And I don't even know if that's likely. I'd Honestly, I'd prefer that to happen. Just top 55 protected is better than just waving him after just giving up a second rounder but yeah we'll see um from at ls3 underscore sports how many wins do they need for Giannis to win the mvp what was it was it 52 wins westbrook had no it was like 47 okay was it all right really was it not over 50 oh that was a big talking point I think actually, he might have been forty-six. I think Giannis would need at least fifty, and maybe more, because by the time those conversations come around, you can already hear what the big knock will be against any Eastern Conference contender, and that is, oh, but the West is so stacked. Are those wins really the same thing? You know. Um. So I think it would have to be fifty, maybe a little bit more. If you get 50, though, you're right there in the conversation and his individual numbers could be so good that it just takes over that conversation very quickly. But I think you'd have to be right around 50, maybe above that. The books would have to be really solid, really entrenched in the top four in the East, if not even a little bit higher. Well, if you're winning 50 in the East, I mean, that that's what? It has to be at minimum top three in the East, right? Uh, could be top four. <sighs> I, I honestly, I think this year there are there are four. I I don't think there are five really. There are four. No, sorry, I'm wrong. There are five. There aren't six. Was where I was going with it. There are five good teams in the East who I think could all come close to 50, and a lot of them could get over that mark. Boston, Toronto. Uh, Bucks, Philly, and the Pacers. Yeah. And below that, that, 
there is a crazy chasm where it's going to be such a divide that you really you could have a a larger number of teams getting 50 wins than usual but just the middle tier will be so good at that much lower win totals will be making it in at the back end yeah so i i do think there could be a few teams that get to the 50 win mark because there're going to be so many for professional teams, for the kind of team the books haven't been in other years, if you're a good team, there will be a lot of games where you should just be able to go in, clock in, clock out, and come away with another win. From at Scott Gavea 2. I don't know much at all about Budenholzer. What exactly is going to change about how the books play offense and defense? Biggest thing offensively, is going is that to be, <laughs> well, I mean, that's for both sides. What's going to change is he's not Jason Kidd. Uh. Offensively, <laughs> ball movement and player movement, and the options they then afford you that will create better floor spacing. There'll be a much steadier diet of three point attempts. Defensively, that's interesting that's the question mark because bud has had different styles of defense i think you could make a case that you know there's room for the books to really fall into either of his hawks defenses depending on what he goes to he may look for a maybe john henson or tom maker could start and he looks to anchor the defense with a kind of traditional rim protecting center like that Maybe it's something a lot more kind of positional-based. What I would say is on the defensive end, there will still be aggression, but it will be dialed down. It'll be a little bit more... There'll be a more concerted effort when it's, okay, now let's dial it up. Or these are the situations where we do that, where we apply extra pressure rather than every time down the floor, which you had become with the books... Our goal is to, you know, send two defenders this way. Of course, we don't know, though. <laughs> that is the thing with this. We don't know what him and his staff are going to dream up for the books. We can look at what he did with the Hawks all we want. He never had a player like Giannis, as we've spoken about at length in the past. And who knows? Maybe they have different ideas. They would have loved to break out in Atlanta and never had the personnel to do so. They may feel the books offered him that chance. Based on what he's done before, that's how it would seem like, but we shall see. Lastly, from a Tundra man. He says he thought his computer was broken because he didn't get any podcasts from us. So sorry about oh. that. The question, though, is with Henson's contract one year closer to being done, is he now viable trade bait? The answer is No. I mean, he's one year closer to being viable trade bait. Next year, Henson and Delhi could be trade bait. And even then, it's going to be debatable. You know, it's going to be, well, sure, you could trade them, but what would you have to take back? What would you have to give up with it, too? Mm, I think with a one year, it's more what would you have to take back. So I think... Does Henson have... Oh, no, no, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Because once you get to that point, you know, 
you can get off them for someone else's two years at a lower price. It's just whether there's any reason to do that. But right now, no, I'd say it's not at all viable as trade bait. Yeah, I agree. Okay, that's it. That's it for us for now. We'll be back soon, and sooner than three weeks. Um, we'll be back maybe next week. We'll see if Jordan does or does not go to the block party, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about some of that stuff. Um, he'll be the man in disguise if you're there, so just keep an eye out for anyone who looks like they may be wearing a fake nose and fake glasses. A parachute down right on top of that roof that everybody <laughs> complains about. <laughs> in the meantime, make sure you're reading all of our work on BehindTheBookPass.com. We are working very hard, although it is the dead of the off-season. We have lots of new stuff there every day, so continue to check it out. You can also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, also SoundCloud, Addison Stitcher, and Favorites and TuneIn Radio. That's Win and Six Podcast. And that way, you'll make sure that whenever we decide to post it, you won't miss another episode of Win and Six again. As always, thanks to all of you for listening. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you.